Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia. How are you doing today, babe? I'm doing all right. How are you doing this morning in a new place? Oh, doing good, doing good. We're checking out our, our new house in Atlanta. What? It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. We did the whole rental property thing, so we 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 got a house um, uh, down in ATL, but we're not living here. We're not relocating, but we did um, uh, buy some rental property, and and uh, we liked the house so much that we were like, okay, let's go just hang out in the crib. Yeah, we should at least enjoy it before we rent it. I know, I know. I don't want to rent it now. I don't like it that Can much. Can we keep it? Can we keep it, please? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of money going out the window because you know the Atlanta rental market's like insane right now. Is it really okay? Well, then there yeah. we are. Yeah, there we are in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, just so you know, a quick little financial PSA: uh, every black person should try their best to own as much property as we can. We need to go reclaim all that land that we had a hundred years ago that it was taken away from us and so if you get agree with that put a yes in the chat uh everybody put uh resources in the chat we need resources that's what dr claude anderson says okay so anyway let me uh greet uh veronica and dds my man dds is always in there moderating <laughs> dds you know what he, you know what dds is but no what it is what is it he's hater repellent ain't nobody hating on us Ain't nobody hating on He's us. He's going to be bored through this. DDS, He's going to say, I got nothing DDS to do. DDS will chop. <laughs> he will go in and he will digitally chop, chop your head off and boot you out. And you will never be invited back. You come wow. Yes. <laughs> I feel better knowing that people like him are we in the world. We feel safe. I feel protected now. Yeah. And Where'd you find DDS? I don't, you know what? The brother popped up in the chat and he's been a moderator for a long time. And he's very consistent. And I just want to publicly thank him for that. And another person that's been really consistent is uh, Terry Cobb. Terry Cobb is here. Hey, Terry. What's up, Terry? <laughs> Terry. Back up, Terry. Back up, Terry. <laughs> two guys. Two guys. Put it in reverse, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke. If you saw the video, you get it. If you didn't see the video, don't worry about it. But that's okay. the thing. Like, Black people are so interesting. And you made that comment about the mental health issues. It's just... Well, <laughs> well you we know... We just do things different from how everyone else does it. Well, that's interesting. That does take us to our, our topic for today. Um, so our topic for today, sweet, great mom and Nancy Liggett, is mental health and, and hip-hop. And you know what drove me to, I proposed this topic to you, and uh, and what triggered it was I, I just saw some, I saw a 2 chains verse, a 2 chains verse on a, um, on a song with a guy that, that's really a great rapper out of Houston, I think his name was pronounced Tobin Gwynn, but I probably, I might have said it wrong. Um, tell me if I mispronounced it because I want to be disrespectful to the to his family. But they they have beautiful imagery, you know. They they're very talented. I see nothing but creativity. For oh, you shown me super creative, super creative. They they think about the imagery. They think about the lyrics of their songs. They think about everything. Yeah, super creative. And so so I saw Two Chains did like kind of a guest verse, and it's like this. A uh, really cool um, verse where he's, you know, and they got the women dancing in the background, but not, not in like a hoish kind of way. They're they're all beautifully dressed and and doing their thing. And but I listen to the verses, and 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 people may not know this, but I listen carefully to rap verses because I like to know where the culture is going. What are people listening to? What are we putting in our minds? What frequency are we operating on? And <clears throat> and in this verse. I, I heard the standard hip-hop formula. First, he talks about 
Um, I, I think he makes a reference to like a gun. Then he makes a reference to uh, something like sipping codeine with a pole dancer. Mm-hmm. Basically, so you're getting high with a stripper. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about his pants were made by an Asian and his car has German engineering. And and you're, you're, you're kind of shouting out you know, all the great things about white people and Asian people, you know, and then also it's sort of like this typical formula of materialism, violence, insects, insects. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with two chains lyrics, but I have an impression that he has evolved. I get the impression that it, though, even though those lyrics aren't where it should be in terms of what you would expect, I get the impression that, it's it's water it's better than what it what it has been for two chains and he also talked about mental health and he needs therapy yes and i did like that and that and that's what led so me that's, to, that that's was... what drove this conversation mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. was when he mentioned the therapy and i said yeah a lot of them need therapy now here's the thing that's interesting to me though hey and i agree with you 100 percent. you know the two chains has evolved mm-hmm. right so I he's want... got that show on vice yes go ahead I know you don't like that show. <laughs> no, 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 no. But let's process this for a minute, right? Uh-huh. What? Let's process. Let's focus on what you just said. You said two chains has evolved. Mm-hmm. Now, and I agree, he has. Now, how long has two chains been rapping? I don't know. Probably about a decade or more, okay. or maybe longer. He's been he's been relevant for a decade or more. Mm-hmm. And he's over forty, if I'm not mistaken. Now, here's the thing: if you're over forty, you're supposed to evolve. That's supposed to happen. A forty, a forty-two-year-old black man is not supposed to be acting like he's twenty-one years old. Mm-hmm. That's half your age, you know. And I think what hip hop does is it can make, especially the black man, it makes some of these men very, very immature. Uh, like an Arrested Development. <clears throat> yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, uh, I think they called it. Uh, there's this um infant. Yeah, the infantilism. Infantilism of the black man. man. Yeah, and that's deep. Like people don't realize how deep that is. Like, I mean, we we you know if we say it in passing, it doesn't seem relevant. But actually, um, I remember one of Malcolm X's bodyguards talked about how sad he was when Malcolm died, and he and he said, "Well, they said, why are you so sad?" Because the guy started crying. He said, "Because Malcolm, when I was around Malcolm, I was a man." But America wants to keep the black man as a little boy. And he said this way before the hip hop era, back in the you know, 1960s. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there's something to that. There's something to the idea that America is very comfortable with the idea of a black man never really becoming a grown ass man. They want you to be a kid. Doing childish things. Yeah. Not taking responsibility for anything. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it breaks into this whole culture of, of just, you know, where where a man who does act like a grown up, who does say, you know, hey, I want to like Jay Z. Jay Z actually made a conscious choice. He said, I don't want to wear long jerseys anymore. I want to wear suits. Grown men wear suits. Teenagers and kids wear long jerseys. But the fact that he had to even explain that. Right. It's crazy. It's like someone was like, what are you doing with some jeans on and a collar shirt? You're supposed to wear 
uh, jerseys all the time. He's like, I'm a grown man. I'm not 20 yeah. year old, 10, 20 years old anymore. So yeah. I think, you know, and he got I, pushback for that. By the way, it was yeah. A right. lot of people were like, <laughs> Why you want to be a grown man, dog? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We we we're supposed to be kids over here. We teenagers over here. No, you're not. Well, most people don't have to explain the change in their like. We have a 19 year old here. Okay, I know that the way he dresses now you know, hoodie and shorts or whatever. He's not going to dress like that when he gets when he gets older and he starts his career and all of that. It's like 45. Like it's, it's just a natural <laughs> transition that people make. Yeah, yeah. Now, Al makes a good point. He says no fathers around to tell young men. And and that's actually why, I, you know, like and it makes me think about, um, you know, we're down in Atlanta. We're going down to the Black House with Jay Morrison. Mm-hmm. And what they do down with uh, with with the, the Legacy Center, which is a beautiful building, by the way, and uh, they mentor young men every Saturday, especially young men who don't have fathers. So their mothers <clears throat> are ecstatic to bring these young guys in and let them hear from grown men. Like this is what a man does. This is how a man behaves. This is what a man does not do. And so sometimes you need that grown man training. So so this speaks and wraps into the point of what you know what was on my mind today with just sort of how hip hop music bastardizes what it means to be black. Like it kind of, it kind of takes everything that's dysfunctional, it seems, and they put it on display because dysfunction is interesting to watch on, on stage, on camera. And it just normalizes it by saying, oh, we're going to pay you millions of dollars to behave as, as a mentally ill dysfunctional person. And it sells. It sells records. They make a lot of money off of it. If they didn't make a lot of money off of it, 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 I don't think it would be necessary. Yeah, well, you know, what happens is, and I want everybody to understand this, you know, you guys know my background's money, and and um, and I, I love to express the importance of money, but sometimes you can get to a point where money becomes too important, and money becomes a false validator of unhealthy behavior. Yeah, because if you're not resting on principles, it's just the bottom line. Yeah. It's not. It's a. It's a philosophical issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just start thinking like, oh well, you know, you like you'll see somebody do something weird. Like for example, let's say let's use Cardi B as an example, uh, a really intelligent, really talented woman who might be a sex addict um, or an abuse survivor who hasn't really gotten treated for her um, her own mental health challenge, right? <laughs> and, and you know, and and she does all these things. So you're a little girl and you're seeing this. And you're thinking, wow, that's extreme. Like every lyric is about her vagina. But then somebody says, yeah, well, Cardi B made $10 million last year. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that validates it. That makes it okay. You know, it's not okay. It's still not okay. $10 million does not make it okay. Uh, well, even Cardi B's growing up. She is. She's trying. Even she's, even you, she's growing you up. You know what I see? I have hope. You know what I see with Cardi B? Yes. I see a person who is really struggling. Like, I feel like the real internal Car- struggle. I right? feel like the real Cardi B is inside of her. Yes. Who's like trying to bust out, you know, that's like, so great. It just, it makes me beam because she's better than that. Mm-hmm. She's so much better than that. Even though she probably has some mental health struggles. Um, she, she's starting to realize I am a mother of two children. Now I need to be a mother. I need to set a better example. I think that's where she's headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I think that what, yeah, like I think that with her, if you think about, it, let's look at her history, right? First of all, and this is the thing that the people, a lot of people don't talk about this enough, and I and I think I find that strange. But <clears throat> first of all, you made the the really uncomfortable um, observation 
you're very good at diagnosing or, or noticing people that might be victims of fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. And from what you've actually told me, it's very prevalent and people don't know it because what happens is I guess their mothers don't know they're pregnant and they drink during pregnancy and it really has a huge impact on the child and it shows up in their facial features and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, it's very common in most. I mean, if you're at that childbearing age, it's not recommended that you <clears> drink <throat> alcohol at all, really. Really? I mean, I know when I was in my younger years, in my 20s, I rarely drank alcohol. I rarely drink alcohol now, but I rarely drank alcohol because you don't even know half the time your first trimester of pregnancy. You don't even know that you're pregnant. Mm. And so here you are drinking and getting drunk and you're affecting your baby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's it. I was when you told me that. And so it was just something about, you know what it was? Cardi B posted a picture of herself without makeup on. Mm. And that's when I saw it. As a social wow. worker, we're trained to pay attention to facial features. We're just trained to pay attention to everything. Wow. And so when I saw that she had no makeup on and it was her eyes and the way her face was structured and put together, I said, that's fetal alcohol syndrome. And then I noticed, wait, she is she was named after alcohol. So alcohol must have been prevalent. Yeah, it's early in gestation. Yeah, and we're not making fun of her. I promise. No, I, I no. Like, but you know, the, no, like, didn't didn't I can did she say her sister's name was named after liquor too? Her sister was also named after alcohol. So I mean, and, and you think about what it does to your cognition, what it does to your ability to delay gratification, what it does to you know, because to me, I think she when she talks, she she may have a speech impediment. She does. Um, and so I and that's another sign of fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, and so um, I was like really concerned about that. Yeah, no, no. So, so okay, so fetal alcohol syndrome can cause like de- uh, a delay in development and cognition, so to say. Yeah, I mean, it really can look like ADHD. Um, it can look like um, there's some learning issues, some cognition issues. And so, um, and here we are promoting drugs and alcohol to young people and they're reproducing and having children and it can have an effect on the development Oof. of their children. Oh my God. Are y'all hearing this? Do y'all, I mean, do y'all understand? I mean, I, it doesn't take a lot. If even small doses at these critical stages of development of a child, it can really make a difference in their outcome. Wow. Wow. Uh, so let's. Well, wow, I'm I'm kind of blown away. I, I ain't gonna lie. I and now I, I, I sleep next to this woman every day, and 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 we've talked about this before. But when I'm really hearing it and thinking about how common this is, mm-hmm. and then you look around at the world and you see just the most chaotic, dysfunctional, ridiculous behavior. You know, maybe it's time we dig to the root of this instead of acting like it don't matter. Maybe it's time mm-hmm. we we look at the elephant in the middle of the room. Yeah, we should be promoting pro-social behaviors. Damn! Wow. Okay. Well, positive, anyway. healthy lifestyles. Well, let me. I'm. I'm. I'm a little taken aback, guys. So let me. So let me take one second and let you all know that you're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. My wife is Dr. Alicia Watkins. Uh, she is a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. She's been um, treating couples for over for a long time, for many, many years. Yes. And and um, also, uh, if you want to get a free e-copy of my book, Financial Lovemaking, feel free to go to boyceandalicia.com. You can get on our email list. Uh, we'll give you lots of free information on everything from love and money to everything in between. But also, you can get a free e-copy of my book if you go to boyceandalicia.com. Also, uh, on the 22nd of July, uh, Alicia's hosting the speed dating event at the Black House. Uh, so if yeah. you are single and you're looking to 
mingle and connect with other intelligent black people and you are near the Atlanta area, you can go to voiceandalicia.com and you can sign up for the speed dating. And so I will talk a little bit more about that in a second. I know you're excited about that. I am. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, she loves to match make. That's her thing. All right. So um so so let's 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 go back into this. First first of all I want to make it just real clear. You know, I'm not making fun of anybody or trying to attack anybody. But I think it's important to talk about these things because our children are seeing this and they're being affected by this. And it almost seems like in this world, we grow up thinking that this dysfunction that they, that they market, and it's not marketed by black people, right? We don't own the media outlets. We're not the ones who are creating these TV shows, the love and hip hops and all that. Um, You know, but, but it's like the kids grow up thinking that this stuff is normal and they just get such bad examples when it comes to like relationships um, or, and they do things to ruin their lives. So you'll see somebody that, will be copying the activities of their favorite rapper. They'll get involved. Maybe it's a boy. He gets involved in violence. Maybe he, he's thinking that drugs are cool, so he's, he's getting high all the time. Um, you know, materialism. All these things that end up creating a miserable life for you. So it's not, it's not a surprise when that person's 26, 27 years old, and they say, gosh, I was suicidal. I was depressed. You know, life is hard. And you're like, yeah, because somebody gave you a formula for a difficult life and you follow the recipe. Okay. I hear what you're saying. And I really agree with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. However, as social workers, we're taught that human behavior is caused by a multiple different factors. There's not just one thing that can cause the outcome of a person. So not, yeah. So the culture in terms of what you listen to and the music you listen to, um, it has an effect on how you see the world and what you think, but also your home environment has an effect on it. We just talked about biology and physiology has an effect on the decisions that you make and, and whether you're able to anticipate the consequences of the decisions that you make. So yeah, it's the culture. Cause I grew up listening to AMG, AMG. I can recite to you every single lyrics of that awful oh, album that they came out with, but it didn't penetrate AMG so much. the guy who was saying, bitch better have my money. Yes, come that, on. That dysfunctional stuff. I, we, but you know, it's nostalgic. Yeah. Well, remember, remember <laughs> our generation is the generation that started that stuff. I know, we're like, awful. Gangster rap started like when I was about 18 years old and I still... And and so in a way, I'm like rebel against the rap. Well, you know, we have to confront our own hypocrisy. Yes, right. We really do. And and now, what what was the? Now, here's the thing. Now, so let me just tell you. You know, um, you and I have known Ice Cube, I guess, for a couple of years, and and I like him. He's a great guy. You know, and I remember the first time I ever heard his voice. You know, I was at a party, and it kind of it kind of alarmed me because it was dope, man. It was like it was once said by a man who couldn't quit. You know, and I remember thinking, like, what I is know. this? What is this, right? And I remember being 17, 18, and I remember NWA, <clears throat> they created a culture. They were educating the whole world on gang culture, Crips and Bloods, you know, the dope man, all this stuff that was going on in LA. And it because, was mainstream. Right. It, well, it, what, well, you know what it was? It was actually underground at first. Uh-huh. It did, they didn't get any radio play, but it became so big that eventually they did start putting it on MTV and all that. Now, here's the interesting part about it, right? On one hand, we have to acknowledge that we play some role in the development of our culture in this in this in this particular way, which wasn't necessarily positive. But then the second note, though, it goes back to racism because remember, L.A. what what he what he and N.W.A. were rapping about was what they were seeing in L.A. 
Mm-hmm. And where did all that environment come from? Well, it came from the war on drugs and the CIA putting all that crack cocaine in LA, right? So they ruined that whole community. This, this, uh, the series Snowfall really documents that very well. And so, you know, in a way, it's almost like we could say, you know, we, it's almost like if you, if you have a cage full of like really healthy dogs and you design the cage in a certain way where there's a limited amount of food. All the dogs are like in close proximity to each other and you create really terrible conditions where the dogs start to kill each other and eat each other. You know, it's really not so much the dogs necessarily being bad people or bad or bad or bad, bad animals. It's who designed the cage. Right now we're not dogs. We know this, right. But to some extent by us allowing or still accepting this idea that white people are allowed to have this huge impact on our destiny, knowing that they don't have our best interests at heart, they create, they, they play a role sometimes in destroying our culture, you know, whether it's through media or through the CIA putting the crack in the black neighborhoods or through government programs or whatever. And I really think as black people, we have to be very conscious of that. We do. And then remember, even in Snowfall, we saw that that drug era is the second generation to what was the Black Panther Party taking over there, mm. right? And so what would the world be like if the Black Panther Party and some of those ideologies had permeated through our culture instead of the drug and, you know, crack and all of that permeates our culture? So is, is, is I think the question is, does art imitate life or does life imitate art? Both. Yeah, I think it goes both ways for sure. It's got to be both. Because we were defending NWA. I know I was. I was like, they just rapping about what they see. And yeah. and, and, and they should have that ability in my little young brain. But I was a Catholic school girl listening to NWA. Every single word in my Stay uniform. No, we we memorized Express Yourself. Oh my God, listen to Express Yourself over and over again. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about it is, you know, so so let's so then let's explore that, right? We know that that music alone can't destroy a child in their future, right? Because you know it's you know it didn't destroy you, didn't destroy me. Um, but what was the difference? The difference was that we had a greater influence in our life that that helped us understand how the choices we're supposed to make. That that the music was entertainment; it wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be reality. I well, had I had a strong father and a strong mother. You had a strong father, strong mother. A lot of our kids today don't have that. Yeah, and we're very fortunate. Our our parent, our parent, our mothers won't on crack. Yeah. You know, right. I think about, gosh, your mom was on crack. You know, mm-hmm. that was terrible. There's a song. Have you heard about Your Mama's on Crack? Have you heard that song? There's a song called There your is Mama's a song called Your Mama is a Crackhead. Is it, is it a new song? It is not a new song, but it is really interesting. It is an actual song. I will find it and send it to you. Is it like a comic, like a comedic song? Or it's it... not comedic. It is a straight up Your Mom's on Crack. Oh my gosh. Wow. Anyway, but. Well, um, you know, if you watch shows like Love and Hip Hop, a lot of those young people on the show doing dysfunctional things many of them have mothers that were gone because they were on drugs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know back then if now here's something if you were a child and you were born with any sort of crack or uh, cocaine in your system they immediately took your they immediately separated you from your parent oh no they did that in illinois i don't know about other states but um but it was there was no rehabilitation there was no you know now you know things are different but it was just immediate we're going to put you into the child welfare system oh my god yeah which was devastating because 
they actually thought that if you were born with crack in your system, your whole future is over. And that's not true. There are a lot of people who had um, was born with crack um, cocaine in their system and they were able to overcome. So there are there are things that you can do. It's not but over I bet you for there you. Were, but I bet there were a lot who didn't. And I think that's. Well, there are many. Well, the thing is that we thought their life was over and it wasn't. Right. You can live a full life and do and they do live a full life. And so that was a myth mm. that ended up being a myth. And um, and policy was and practice um, was very devastating to the black community back then. I mean, families were ripped apart. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that the broken family was the worst thing to happen to black people in the last 50 years. Yeah. You know, and I think also um, when you look at Hunter Biden, you know, being heavily involved with drugs. Yeah. And you play that next to his father basically saying that if you get caught with even a small amount of drugs, you get five years in prison with no parole and the government can take everything you own. You know, that was, um, <clears throat> that's an interesting um, scenario to see that go full circle yeah, and see his son and his son's embarrassing behavior. And, and really just, just, you know, knowing that we had a horrible, we made a horrible policy mistake from intolerant people who didn't understand that drug addicts need help. They don't need jail. Well, you know, what's interesting is that now we have the heroin and the, um, it's a heroin epidemic is really rampant in white communities now. Yeah. And, um, and methadone, methadone, all of that, there's, there's really an issue um, in drugs and everything that's an issue that's affecting white people. And it's interesting how the policy has totally changed. I mean, we now have drug courts, which we should have had drug courts, you know, even in the 80s. We now know better, but it's like the color of the people who are <laughs> who are being affected by the drugs and alcohol have definitely changed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, by the way, guys, uh, you're listening to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And we literally lay against our pillows and do this podcast where we try to have smart conversations about things happening in our community. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about what Alicia does, she's a licensed um, social, a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. You can visit coachingwithdralicia.com. Uh, the URL's on the screen. All right, so you're about to say something? No, I was just gonna say, I mean, when I say that people use drugs and alcohol and become you know, addicts, it's, it's a multiple different reasons why. Right. And so part of it is also family dynamics. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, and it makes me want to look at Joe Biden, like what happened in that household mm. when he was growing up? I mean, most people, um, when you're making you susceptible to using drugs and alcohol, um, there is an atmosphere in the family that you don't share, that you can't trust anybody. Mm. It, that you're not comfortable talking about your feelings at all, talking about what's on your mind. It's just almost like a do, do, do type of family environment where no one is encouraging you to express yourself. And that kind of puts you in a position, music or no music at all, that can put you in a position to become, um, you know, addict. Well, you know, Joe Biden um, had a tragedy in this family. You know, his... There's several his, tragedies his, in I his think family. His, his wife and one or two of his kids got killed in a car crash or something. Yeah, they got hit by a, a truck. Yeah, which is terrible. So there you have that loss. Are you able to process that loss? Are you able to talk about it? Mm. No, I'm, I'm almost certain that you know, something happened there. Oh, I'm sure Hunter's still hurting, you know, but, but How still. How could he not be? Well, you know, and that's the thing, right? Those, it's still kind of like um, 
sad that you know that you just you, when you see this blatant hypocrisy and you see what crack did to black families and black people and it, it makes me wonder and very concerned like what are they doing to us now like you know what are they and, and, and i want people to really understand that you know the government didn't stop being the government in 1995 like they whatever you know terrible sinister thing they were doing to us in the 80s they're probably doing something sinister right now maybe something in the food maybe it's it's definitely in the media um you know when you're seeing these things around you that are causing cultural and family degradation you can't just go along with it because the, the famous person's making money you can't just look at it and say oh well well, that's lit, yo. Or when I speak up on it, you know, like when I spoke up on some stuff with um a few years ago when I had that whole weird thing with Lil Wayne and Mountain Dew and all that, people were like, "Why are you stopping a black man from getting money? Well, you you did that. Were you messing up a black man's money?" I'm like, "No, because you shouldn't be making money by destroying your own people. That ain't right, man. Like, there's other ways for you to make money, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think that overall." We have to start having those honest conversations because if we don't start being honest with ourselves. Whatever they did in the crack era, they're gonna do it again. They'll just do it in a different way. Yeah, and I also think that um, I don't know. I mean, I I see the the political part of it, and um, you're asked about what are they gonna do now? What are they doing right now? Um, what do you think? What do you think they're um, doing right now? I think there's a lot of indoctrination into the school system. Um, I, I've heard in terms of listening to people um, just in our space, there's a lot of concern about about this weird obsession with, with sexuality with children. I think there are people that are concerned about that. So that's I, the new agenda. Well, that's mm -hmm. well, it could be. It could be, right? Because um, I think Nuri Muhammad made that point where um, I don't. I didn't know if he had a statistic to back this up or what, but he said something like, "I saw the headline was that there are more gay gay couples on television than than heterosexual, and that's not reflective of the real world." It isn't, and there's also a lot of interracial couples on television. That's also not yeah. reflective of the real world. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and then also, um, uh, I would say that there, just generally speaking, there's always been kind of um, this unfortunate outcome of capitalism where you tend to sell the like the least healthy food in the poorest communities right mm -hmm. so you know we put up the popeye's chicken restaurant everybody lines up and, and it's funny you look at that line and half those people should not be in no line for no fried chicken <laughs> like, you know and but that's but but that you know so i think there's some stuff going on with the food um i think that in terms of templates for relationships uh the templates are very very bad Mm -hmm. And so uh, remember the way you formulate your relationships that affects your family development It affects your children. So if um, if you have little girls that grow up looking, looking at thuggish behavior from a black man as a good thing and saying, I want to get with this guy because I like the thug and I like the gangster because that's what I see in the music and everything else. Well, then they realize when they're 30 that he doesn't, he may not make the best father. Not that, not that a thug can't be a good father, but typically the behavior of like, like, like this sort of this, you know, like I'm, I'm a criminal and I, I don't respect women and all these things that they kind of do in music that doesn't lend itself very well to family development. It doesn't. And I mean, even just all together, you've talked about the food. I mean, there's so many people that just use food as comfort. 
Mm. You know, they just like, oh, this is, I can't control anything else that's going on in my life, but I can control whether I eat this sandwich. It only costs, <laughs> it only costs $2, $2 and I can have this temporary good time. So it's not, you don't, you're not thinking about the long-term benefits of yeah. what it is. You're just thinking about immediate gratification, which is also promoted True. in our media. You also think about mm. um, relationships. You're thinking about, oh, he looks good. He's got this money. He's he's doing what's right for me now. And you just ignore all of the what's called red flags. <laughs> you just ignore all of that because you're interested in this immediate gratification. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, I was, um, I figured out the, the secret to, to life, the secret, like the, the meaning of life. You want to hear Okay, it? I, I have an idea of what meaning of life is, but I want to okay. know what you have to well, say. Well, maybe not meaning of life, but the way to check to see if you have a healthy, happy life. And this is the check I do with myself. Have you ever, have I ever explained it to you? No. Well, yeah, of course you have. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so my, my, my checklist for a healthy life goes down to health, wealth, and relationships. Like, how is your mental and physical health? You know, are you are you, are you healthier? Are you overweight? Are you would you you know like to be healthier? Um, how are you mentally? Like, do you wake up feeling good? Do you feel good about your life? And then um, wealth. Like, do you have assets? Do you have some kind of financial security? A lot of people don't have financial security. There, you know, we a lot of us grow up. Well, a lot of us perceive that we don't have financial security. Mm, it's okay. all in the perception. And in and, and that's but sometimes the, thing. the perception is reality though, right? When you say. Well, perception is always reality. And once you know mm. that, tell yourself what you're gonna perceive. Okay. You know, so, this is what this is what how I want my reality to be and then perceive it as that. So if I'm broke, I can perceive myself as a billionaire and I'll become a billionaire. It kind of sort of works that way. It um because if you always look at yourself as a lack thereof, first of all, you don't have gratitude and appreciation for what you already have. Mm -hmm. So you should Preach. always wake up every morning and have gratitude for the fact that you're breathing, gratitude for the sun coming up, gratitude for, you know, you had a nice restful sleep anything that you can cling on to that can give you gratification i think is the very first thing we need to do okay well, and that helps your mental health okay. so you know there are things you can do okay continue to explain no i like that i like that mm -hmm. and i think the last piece is relationships so health wealth and relationships you know yeah. this idea of financial security income streams and all that and then what are your relationships like with other people you know and are, are you fighting all the time and are you in the middle of toxicity or are you you know, are, are you helpful to others? Are they helpful to you? Do you have the right people in your life? You know, and I think that overall, um, when I see a lot of young people, I just don't know if I see things that are going to lead them to be able to find happiness and peace and contentment in their lives. Okay, so I got a little more hope than you do. Okay. You know, when I see young people, I see people who are struggling and really trying to figure it out. Mm. And they are figuring it out. True. I mean, with your relationships, if you find someone that you that that you know that's important to you, why mm. not develop a secure relationship with them? And that mm. means you have to be are you available to them when they need you? Mm. Are you are they available to you? You know, are they, are you responsive? Do you have empathy for each other? That creates healthy relationships, uh, you know, secure attachments within your relationship and not a whole bunch of chaos and not a whole bunch of fighting. If people did just those three things are available to the people um, or to the one person or their partner, if they are responsive to their partner and if they are empathetic to their partner, you don't have to do anything else. That relationship will go smoothly. Mm. Well, I like that. I like that a lot. So, so you know, um, 
by the way, you listen to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, we like to lay against our pillows and try to have smart conversations and fun conversations about things happening in our community. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, if you could take one second, please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, also share, subscribe, uh, subscribe to the channel, um, if, whatever channel you're on. And also, if you want to join Dr. Alicia on July 22nd, she is hosting a speed dating event at the Black House in Atlanta. So if you live near Atlanta and you're single and you want to meet some smart black people, just go to boysandalicia.com and you'll see a link at the top where you can sign up for speed dating. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. So what, what drove you to want to do speed dating and bring uh, black people together like that? I mean, I really do think that you can't really learn about yourself until you're in a relationship. I really do believe mm -hmm. that. Okay. And I think there's so many people, we've been in a pandemic, we've been kind of isolated away. And I think there's so many people that have not had a chance to really develop um have a chance to even be in the presence of someone where they can say, okay, this is a potential like-minded person that I can spend some time with. Who knows what will happen with that? But I think it's important to mingle, to get out, to make connections, to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with people around us. And this is an opportunity to do that for everybody. It's not for me. I got my man. Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> you know, she does. I got my man. Yes, but, she does. You know, I, I think that this is something that um, this could be a possibility for Okay, well, and also for those of you that don't live in Atlanta, we are going to do speed dating again this year at the All Black National Convention. And uh, if you if you don't know about it, you really want to check it out. It is uh, the premier gathering of intelligent black people from around the world. And it is so much fun. And uh, last year we did speed dating. It was really successful. And uh, it actually Keisha Ravenel met her husband last year. Which she was we're... on her way down to speed dating. Yeah, we want to come to that. That's wedding. pretty cool. I want to go to the wedding. I've been to call Keisha, tell her she better send us an invitation. And so, um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so if you want to uh, join us at the convention, uh, if you actually go to boycewatkins.com, you can find uh, passes for the convention. Bring the whole family. Bring your cousins. Bring your loved ones. It's like a big family reunion where you also learn a lot and you make business connections. You can make relationship connections. You can make friendships. Uh, find your find your play cousins at, at the convention. Um, so feel free to go to boycewatkins.com. And it's going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, October 28th through the 30th. And uh, it's going to be a blast. Last year's convention was really nice. It's very, you know, we pick nice hotels. We like for black folks to have a really nice experience. So, um, so let's get. This is the culture. There this you go. This is the culture. This right, is boys? the culture. Well, you know, it is. It is. Everybody, everybody, type the culture. Type the culture in the, in the chat. <laughs> and I want to lay that out explicitly because I, I don't believe that you know that 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 crap that they put on TV is black culture. That's what BET says. Doesn't yeah. BET say this is our culture? They say this is the culture. Do it for the culture. And I'm and I <laughs> and I and I got a little offended. I was like, wait a minute. First of all, so Viacom's going to tell us who our culture is. Right. Viacom <laughs> is not owned by black people. Give me a yes or no if you understand. The Viacom is that owns BET is not a black owned company. So the first, so so my question my my honest response is who the hell do you think you are? to think that you have the right to tell black people what our culture is going to be. You know, I don't go, I can't go tell Jewish people what Jewish culture is going to be. They would, they would resist that. If I go to Arabs and say, well, this is going to be Arab culture. Let's do it for the culture. They'd they'll be like, come, they'll come for you boys. <laughs> they, oh, they would find me. My head would be on a spike. 
they would come find me. They'd be like, no, you, you ain't, you ain't doing, you know, you know, so, so my point is to say, you know, black people have to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more clear in terms of letting people know, like, look, you're not going to bastardize the beauty of what it means to be black. You're not going to reduce it to raunchiness and, and chaos and violence and, and disrespect for women and, and, and all these just toxic, irresponsible behaviors. You know, I, I, I rarely, I've rarely met a drug addict who's, who's having a good life. I don't meet a lot of, <laughs> you know, I don't meet a lot of people who throw all their money away, who, who end up having wealth and prosperity. I don't, I don't see a lot of communities where you disrespect your women and have prosperous families, you know? So, so you know, I don't see spaces where you can go kill all every, you know, want to kill men that look just like you and, and have a, a thriving, uh, you know, set of opportunities for those men or, 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 or anything other than prison. Right. So, so if you think about this, I mean, if you go down that standard formula of what they fed us in hip hop, that black men want to kill each other, that we don't, we don't love our, we hate our women. We want to throw all of our money away. We want to stay high and drunk all the time. And we want to commit as many criminal acts as we possibly can. And we're ex excessive materialists who worship European companies that sell us overpriced products like we worship Gucci and Fendi and Louis and Prada. I mean, Bernard Arnault, who owns the Gucci brand, is worth over $100, million, $100 billion. He owes a lot of that money to, to black people. We are his number one fans. And I'm sitting there saying, come on, man. You could do better than that. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, do I sound crazy for saying this? Am, am I the weirdo in the room? No, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, so. We'll just help further in their cause. And then they put us up there because we're such good marketers. We're the best marketing team in history. And we're just so creative. <laughs> and for some reason, we just do it so much better than anyone else. We're so good at what we do. And the sad part about it is that we don't know it. They know it, but we don't know it. Dang, that's, that's the sad part. That's real. But that, that, I'm going to drop the mic on that because that, you're 100% correct. I think we got a lot to chew on. What do y'all think? I, I think so. I think that that's, um, oh, all right. Well, anyway, guys, thank you all for hanging out with us. It was real. We had a great time. And, uh, and don't forget if you want to, uh, either come to the speed dating event in Atlanta on July 22nd, uh, or if you want to just subscribe and get a free e-copy of my book, financial lovemaking, the subtitle is, um, merging assets with your partner in ways that feel good. Uh, you can feel free to go to voiceandalicia.com. Uh, we do these pillow talks uh, a couple times a week and have a lot of fun. And and uh, we're also open to suggestions, right? So if you guys want to, um, you know, pop in suggestions in the chat on topics you'd like to see us cover, feel free to do that too. And so uh, anyway, uh, do you have anything else to say, babe, before we bounce out? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, you made a good point today about a mental health and how mental health is being marketed and um, we're, you know, it, it's just interesting to see and it sales. So um, I think, yeah, I think we need to get our mental health together. We need to meditate. We need to focus on what we want in life and focus on our desires. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know what? I got to give credit. Uh, I, I know I started off with a little bit of a critique of, of the rapper two chains on, on that song you did, you know, um, with Tobin Gwynn out of, um, I, I think that's how you pronounce his name, out of, out of Houston, who's a great rapper. And uh, and I did critique that, right? I said, you know, I really don't, I'm kind of tired of hearing music where the formula is, 
I pulled out a gun. You know, I got high today. I, you know, I um, I love white people and I love to waste my money. You know, I, I, that that message is is toxic and it's unhealthy, especially coming out of the mouth of a forty something year old man. I didn't like that. But one thing I have to give him credit for, and which reflects the evolution that you refer to, mm-hmm. is at the end of that verse, he says, "I'm African American," and uh, basically he says, "I need therapy. I just need somebody to listen." Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, you know, and I think that that's a great point. Right? I think that for black people. That's what's really happening in my view. And, and you know this better than me, but I'm, you know, given that we're so high on the trauma scale and so many of our uh, people, remember when the second generation, second or really third generation of after the crack era, you know, it was like a nuclear bomb dropped on our family. So you've got people still recovering from that. And I would encourage anybody that has been traumatized, get help, get therapy, you know, talk to someone, find some, some people that, that know what they're doing that can really help you work through that. And I think it'll make your relationships better. It'll make, it'll make you love yourself more. It'll it'll help you understand why you make certain choices and and hopefully make you help you have a better life. Yeah. And I think that um, so many of us don't see how our trauma affects our relationships. Mm. You know, we just walk around with one toxic relationship after another. And then eventually you don't look on at yourself. You're the common denominator in this relationship. All of these relationships that are going bad. If you're walking around saying, oh, I, I dated this girl and she was crazy. Then I dated that girl and she was crazy. I dated her and she was crazy. And finally, I'm like, let me speak to these women and see what they have to say. Because I'm sure they can point to you and think that you're crazy. And I think it's it's we come from such a place of shame that we don't want to take accountability for our own behavior and our own, you know, our own bizarre things that we do. And and we feel terrible about it. And, and that's why people feel depressed when their relationships aren't going well. They're unable to look at themselves and see how they play a part in that. Mm. Well, facts, facts. Well, you know, there we go. So we got something to chew on with that. Get your mental health together. Get your mental health together. And uh, all right, well, everybody, well, it was great talking to you guys today. And by the way, Alicia's website is coachingwithdralicia.com. She does see clients and uh, individual and couples. So if, if that's um, if you're of interest in, in that and you'd like to go check out what she does, uh, feel free to go to the website. And if everybody could hit the thumbs up button on your way out, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'd appreciate it. And uh, until we meet again, we will see you soon. Take okay. care. Bye, everyone.